This morning we are going to talk about one of the most central questions that you could think about or consider. That is, how do you know that you belong to Jesus? How do you know that you are on your way to heaven? How do you know that you, in fact, belong to Jesus? You may ask this question of yourself, like, how can I know that I'm saved? Or how can I know for certain that I have eternal life? Those are good and important questions that you need to ask yourself. But the reality is it does sort of trickle out from there. Parents may wonder, is my child a believer? Has my child really come to a transformative faith in Christ? That's a very important question for parents to ask. I know many children who are my age <laughs> who wonder, I wonder if my parents know the Lord really. I wonder if they're, they're, they don't have much longer. And I wonder if they are going to um, be okay when they die. See, these and a whole host of other questions uh, are right at the heart of what it means to trust in Jesus, to what it means to be a Christian. And Jesus tells a story that we're going to look at this morning that will confront those who have one foot in and one foot out and maybe are pretending, and it will comfort those who receive God's Word with understanding and have it bear fruit in their life. So I want to invite you to turn to read that story in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, uh, Jesus will tell us how we ought to think about being in his kingdom or whether or not we belong in his kingdom. So in Matthew 13, I'll begin reading in verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell along the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and they immediately sprang up since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Let him who has ears, let him hear. So then Jesus explains the parable later in verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. 
When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what it is. This is what is sown along the path. As for what is sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, it immediately falls away. As for what is sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. As for that which is sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, in another, sixty, and in another, thirty. So here Jesus tells us the story and explains what he means by the story. And I think if you could distill it down, it's very simple. That true life depends on how a person receives the word. God is generous with his word. And what matters is how you respond to it. Are you the kind of person who hears and embraces and responds to God's word as he generously shares it? Or are you the kind of person who says, eh, maybe a little bit, but not the whole thing? And so that's, I think, why Jesus told the story to the crowd, because there were all kinds of people who heard what Jesus had to say. So we see that, that the setting there in verses 1 and 2, which are really kind of interesting, the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And crowds gathered around him, he got into a boat, sat down, the whole crowd stood on the beach. And, I, and this is like the number one thing they will teach you in public speaking class. Figure out the venue first. So Jesus goes out. What does he do? He goes out of the house where he had been, and he sits, pull, you know, I don't know, pulls up a chair onto the sand and gets ready to hold forth, except there's too many people. So then he looks around, and he has to get on the boat. And he gets on the boat, and he starts talking. Now, that just seems crazy to me. I mean, I, mean, I tried to imagine myself up here, and so while we're on a boat, and I was talking to you, and I was thinking, what a weird thing it would be for those people to listen to me while I did this, and it would be very weird for me to talk rocking back and forth. I mean, this is like public speaking one-on-one. -on -one. Check the mic, get used to the environment, mingle with the crowd, and Jesus, Jesus had to improvise. So he gets onto the boat because... The setting and the size of the crowd determine what they needed to hear about the kingdom of heaven. What they needed to hear about the kingdom of heaven was that people are going to respond to it differently. And each one of us needs to reflect on how we're responding to the kingdom of heaven.
This was no longer meant to be a private word to the disciples. It was no longer meant to be merely calling out the religious leaders on their resistance. This is now for everybody. And I think the, the understanding Jesus would, or the expectation Jesus would have, was that everybody will fit into one of these soils or one of these categories he's talking about. And so, if you notice when I read it, uh, there are four different kinds of soils who respond to Jesus four different ways. And that's what he wants us to see, is that there are multiple ways of responding to the gospel of the kingdom, but only one really matters. So what I want to do is take them one by one, really kind of how he tells the story and then how he explains it. And so in verse 3, he tells them that a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some of the seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Then again in verse 18, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in his heart. This is what was sown on the path. So what you find is that one of the things that happens when people hear the word of God is that they get distracted, they get preoccupied, maybe it's uh, confusing. And before it clicks for them, before they understand it, it gets snatched away. Now, this can happen any number of ways. I mean, it doesn't take much imagination to see how this could happen. It can be as close as relatives who oppose your faith, and they help it get snatched away before it ever takes root. Or it could be as distant as a leaf blower out the window. It could be as big as government oppression or as small as a notification on your phone. It could be as deep-seated as an addiction or it could be as casual as a football game. But whatever it is that takes you away or preoccupies you or distracts you from the news of the kingdom before it takes root in your life, that's a problem. I want you to notice, though, the nature of the problem. If you look, it's not just that the, it fell on the, on the path and that's the end. It fell on the path and it tells us that the evil one comes and pulls it away before it can take root. That there is active opposition to you and to me hearing and internalizing the message of the kingdom. That it is a spiritual conflict. A spirit, it's a spiritual thing to believe. Therefore, you should expect spiritual opposition. And so when the good news of the kingdom is at stake, there will be a spiritual contest. And the heart of the hearer is the battleground. And so as you hear God's word, it would probably be a good idea to say, oh God, please help me get this. Don't let the evil one take this away from me. 
And that's the first category of hearers, those who get distracted and who don't understand it, and the evil one opposes them and takes away the seed. The second kind is in verse 5. Some it seed fell on rocky ground that did not have much soil, and immediately it sprung up because it did not have any depth of soil, but the sun rose and it got scorched and withered away. Jesus tells us what, why he included rocky ground in his story. Because it represents the person who receives the message of the kingdom with joy, yet has no root, endures for a little while, and then when pressure comes, tribulation or persecution, immediately he falls away. Now this particular case is uh, really hardest to understand and most deceptive because it says those who receive the, the, the seed like rocky soil receive it with joy. I mean, it's not like, well, heard another sermon in church today. It's like, Yes, this is a message of life. I'm excited about it. And you know what? That's a good thing. I love it when people are excited to hear the word of God. In other words, it looks good on the face of it, at the beginning of it. But real faith or a real response to God's word means that you do something with that word. It means that it penetrates and sends down roots into your life. It, it doesn't merely mean that you have a positive emotion when you hear it the first time. So don't give up when a little pressure comes. In my estimation, this is this is the trickiest of all of the situations. Because I think we can all go for the head fake on this one when somebody, somebody gets excited and we all say, woohoo, and then not too long thereafter, they fade away. Could be any number of things. A child may eagerly raise their hand in Sunday school when the teacher says, who would like to trust Jesus as their Savior. Oh, I would, I would. And then they go home and they tell their parents and their parents are so excited and they throw a party and they have pizza and it's wonderful. And we go for that and then we realize that it's only after a while, after the pressure comes and the sun rises and it takes some heat, is this plant still alive or did it just like fly up one day and down the next. And so I hope that you're excited to be here. I hope you sang like you were a few moments ago. I hope you're excited to hear the message of the kingdom. But plan to stick it out for the long haul. 
realize it's not a sprint, that it's a marathon, that you are going to be at this for a while and work day by day by day to get more of the good news of the kingdom into your life and let it penetrate. This seed is like the seed in my garden. I, one of the things that happens to us seems like every year is we plant beans and they're usually the thing that grows the best. Except when we plant them, some birds come along and we put them down one day and the next day it's, there's holes in the ground where they came and snatched them away. And if they don't get them the first day and they get them, say, a few days later, one of the things you'll notice is that there's this little bean that I put in the ground, but it's got a little tail on it, and it's got a little sprout on the other end. And it gets snatched out before it can send down those roots that will stay. And that's what happens here with the good news is it gets pulled out before it can send down roots. Well, then there's a third kind of uh, reaction to this good news of the kingdom. And that is that some seeds, verse 7, fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Well, what's that about? Jesus says that as for that which was sown among the thorns, verse 22, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And it proves to be unfruitful. So Jesus says there are two things really that will choke the word. Two things that will strangle your faith. One is the cares of the world. The cares of the world will choke out faith. I mean this, this can totally happen, can it? You've seen people for whom this happens, I'm sure. They come to Jesus maybe for relief from any number of dire circumstances. And they get maybe some temporary relief. Yet then reality sets in and the pressure comes or the threat or the trouble uh, recurs. And then they get anxious again. And then they step away and it's like, it didn't work for me. There are all kinds of things in our world, aren't there? that represent the cares of the world. It might be a, a broken relationship that you have with a family member. It might be the fact that the inflation is making you crazy. It might be that the election on Tuesday didn't turn out the way you wanted. There are all these things that make us nervous. They're the cares of the world. They can pull us away. So the other thing that happens is the deceitfulness of riches. That riches are deceitful. And if you're like me, you're probably thinking, no, that would never happen to me. You know what? That's why it's deceitful. Because none of us think it will happen to us. None of us think that we will somehow be lured away by the offer that money or wealth would give us. And I, I see people who have wealth lured away. I see people who don't have anything hardly lured away by the enticement of riches.
read a devotional this week that suggested that riches are deceitful and, and to be deceived and to go after that is to dig dross with a gold shovel. It's to be deceived and think, I'm just going to just dig out all of this lag and there's a flash of gold, but it's my shovel. And it never produces anything worthwhile. Like I said, I've seen this dozens of times. Someone comes to faith in Christ and they're all excited about uh, knowing Jesus and then they get a job. Then they get a, that job says, can you come to work on Sunday? And they say, well, I can come once. Then they're obligated another Sunday and then it's every Sunday. Pretty soon they've stepped away from their community. They've stepped away from uh, hearing and participating in God's word. And the next thing you know, their faith is strangled. Or someone gets a raise and all of a sudden they can afford some vacations that they couldn't afford before and so then they're gone. They leave their community and they walk away and their church family is no longer part of their family. And it doesn't take long and their Christian faith is not that important to them anymore. Or long term, somebody believes the story that <laughs> really when I retire, that's when I'm going to be happy. So they save and save and save and work and work and work and work. And then they retire. All of a sudden, they can do whatever they want. And no longer includes Jesus. Or on the other hand, it could be the opposite. Somebody believes this deceitfulness of riches and they take on too much debt. And then all of a sudden, the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of the world now conspire to strangle their faith. So, all kinds of pressures of life will pull us away and keep us from true faith in Christ. Well, then there's a fourth kind of soil. Look at verse 8. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. I love that. That's kind of throughout the Bible. You hear the prophets say it. You hear Jesus say it. You hear John say it in Revelation. He who has ears, let him hear. Which simply says, you better pay attention to what Jesus says about the kingdom. If you have ears, and as near as I can tell from looking at all of you, you do, you'd better listen. And so what does he say? He said, that which was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, 100, another 60, and another 30. So the first thing that I would have you understand is that the point of planting anything is that it bears fruit. I grew up in Wheatland County, Montana. You'll never guess what we grow there. Every fall, every fall they uh, run the tractor through the fields and then they run the drill and they, they plant winter wheat. 
And through the winter, uh, it sits there, and then in the spring comes up. And the only reason they do that is so that they can have trucks full of grain that they take to the elevator in the fall and sell. Just because it's green in the spring doesn't matter. It only matters if it bears fruit. That's what Jesus is saying. Those other three soils, those are things that didn't matter. What matters is this last one, that receive the word with understanding and bears fruit. What kind of fruit does he have in mind? Well, Jesus has been using the idea of fruit throughout the book of Matthew. I don't know if you've no, you know, noticed that or not, or even just my saying, reading about fruit, you say, hmm, I remember Jesus talking about that. But just in case you don't, let me remind you. In chapter 3, John the Baptist comes in in verse 8 and says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. What kind of fruit is that? That is, that is a life that is a life of continual repentance, a life that is conscious of my need for grace, that continually turns from my sin and turns toward God, that continues day after day after day to recognize I stand in need of a Savior. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Then in chapter 7, he talks about fruit again. He says, let every healthy tree, uh, or every healthy tree bears good fruit, but a diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear good fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear, or a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a diseased tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. In other words, what Jesus is saying there, and he's, he's saying it again in chapter 12, verse 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or a tree bad and its fruit bad. A tree is known by its fruit. What Jesus is saying about this fruit is that the natural expectation for a healthy plant is to bear fruit. That simple. Whether it's a tree, whether it's grain, you'll know that it's alive and healthy if it bears fruit. Short of that, you don't know if it's going to make it to harvest. You don't know if it's going to be a waste of soil. The only reason the sower plants the seeds was to get a harvest. And so what Jesus wants you to know is that your life bears witness to what's in your heart. If your heart's transformed you'll bear good fruit. If your heart's not transformed, you won't bear good fruit. So it doesn't really matter if there's a little green and you spring up and then the sun comes down and you wither. That's no big deal. It's just a disappointment. doesn't matter if the plant sprouts but then gets strangled by the weeds. That's not a big deal. That's just a disappointment. The point of planting anything is to get fruit. I mean, I think about this all the time when I plant my garden. If I plant things and they come up and I say, oh, looking forward to 
having some peppers or looking forward to having some uh, raspberries or something, that's great. But if I don't get any raspberries, what good is it? It's only really good when it bears fruit. And I think that's what Jesus wants you to recognize is that that receiving with understanding, really realizing that, that there is a new way of living in God's kingdom, that Jesus is planting these kingdom outposts everywhere, and one day all of us will enjoy living life fully in His kingdom. When we really let that sink down deep, it will transform us and we won't be able to not bear fruit. It will just come. And that's the point. It is a big deal when my tomato plant puts out a nice big juicy tomato that I can enjoy on a BLT sandwich on a nice Saturday afternoon. That's the point. And Jesus here wants you to think about what kind of fruit, what kind of transformation is happening in your life. Are you like this? Are you receiving God's word like this fourth soil? Or is it just sitting on the top of a hard heart? Or is it just a little bit deep into a shallow surface acquaintance with Jesus as king so that it gets scorched or Maybe your religion is kind of in the middle of a bunch of other things in your life and sooner or later gets strangled. Jesus is asking us to say, how are you receiving the word of the kingdom? And so I, I just want to ask, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with this parable? I mean, in some respect, Jesus tells us what he meant by it. So it's not a mystery to us, but what are you going to do with it? I want to suggest a, f a few things that, that you should walk away with. The first thing is that God's word works. God's word works. Just like a seed works in the ground. It is the seed that becomes the plant. It is the seed that ultimately germinates and bears fruit. It is not the soil. The soil just receives the seed. In other words, the gospel itself is the power of God unto salvation. And so I want you to trust God's word. That's why that's why we're looking at God's Word today. That's why the Bibles are open on your lap. This is not just like three good ideas a pastor has this morning. We never want you to come to church and just get the pastor's opinion because that has no power. God's Word has power. In fact, Isaiah 55, 11 says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I have sent it. And so you can trust God's word. And when God's word gets hold of your life, it will transform you. And that's the first thing I want you to notice. And I want you to just invest your life 
getting to know God's word in a deeper and more meaningful way. The second thing I want you to think about from this parable is that the sower is generous. Did you notice that? The sower is generous. He's not like me. When I plant my garden, I hoard the seeds. I mean, I paid $1.89 for that little packet, and every one of them needs to grow. And so I space them out, and I put them in the right depth, and I'm very careful. Not so much this sower, right? This sower just, hey, here you go. Here's the, here's the word of the kingdom. What are you going to do with it? And he's generous. He doesn't seem to care that some of it falls on rocky soil or the path or among thorns. He just wants them all to have the good news. Which means when it comes time for you to be the person who says, have you ever heard of Jesus and his kingdom? You know, you could be part of the kingdom. You don't have to pre-qualify the soil. You don't have to look around and say, hmm, I wonder if this person is going to take this seriously. When is this person going to receive it? Oh, I can tell they have some thorns in their life. I'm not going to say anything. That's not how the sower is. The sower's just going to let it rip. And you can too. Because the sower is generous. He's not afraid to waste his seed. Because the good news is good news no matter what. The third thing I'd have you notice is that it is the end of faith that matters, not its beginning. Let me say that again. It is the end of faith that matters, not its beginning. It might be a hard start for you. Some of you might have fits and starts that might take years. It really isn't the beginning that matters, it's the end. It's making sure that you endure through the thorns, through the hot weather, through whatever it may, may come, that you endure and bear fruit. It is your fruitfulness, not your profession of faith that matters. Now, of course, we rejoice at the beginning. We rejoice when someone trusts Jesus as their Savior. We rejoice at a baptism in fact, it's just a cause for a great celebration. But it is the end that matters. And just this past week, there's two elderly ladies that had been part of our church for years. Both of them entered into glory this week. And it is their faithful, humble walk with Jesus year after year after year that's borne fruit in their lives and the lives of other people, in my own life even, and it's the end of their faith that matters, not the beginning. So, beg the Lord that he would see you through to the end. That you would be one of those that endures and becomes fruitful. The next thing that I want to make sure you get from this parable is that it, it takes time to assess the genuineness of faith. It takes time to assess the genuineness of faith. Don't take the bait when someone receives it with excitement or gets emotional when they first hear God's word. That's wonderful. I hope that people love to receive God's word. 
but it isn't that initial emotion. It's the ultimate um, fruit-bearing that tells us of the genuineness of their faith. Some of these plants sprung up, but they also died. The next thing that I would want you to make sure that you don't miss here is that any amount of fruitfulness will do. Any amount of fruitfulness counts. I think it's easy to, to, to worry and say, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm doing enough. I don't know if I'm fruitful enough. Guess what? You're asking completely the wrong questions. Has your life been transformed by Jesus in a way that you can't help but repent? In a way that you can't help but serve? In the way that you can't help but love other people? In all of these things that amount to fruitfulness count. Even one of them counts. If you don't affect anybody else, but your life is a life of repentance, and you bear fruit unto repentance, that counts. That's why I think he says some 100-fold, some 60, some 30, is because, you know what? If there's fruit, it's good. doesn't matter. doesn't have to be a superstar. You don't have to say, I'm no Billy Graham. Well, good. One of them's enough. You be you, receive the word, and bear fruit. That's great. And then I think the final thing that I want you to see here is that the parable of the sower is nothing if not a warning about being too self-assured when you have no reason to be assured. This is a warning about being sure you're good to go when your life has not been changed by Christ. When you have not let his word penetrate your life. And you're thinking, yeah, I go to church every week, I'm good. I give money, I'm good. I'm religious, I'm good. I'm a nice person, I'm good. This is nothing if not a warning to us not to presume that we can have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom and that that's going to work out great. It's not going to work out great. And that's what Jesus is warning us about here, that there are some people who have hard hearts and the, and the word never penetrates. There are some who have shallow acceptance of it and it doesn't last. There are some who add the kingdom to an already full, anxious, rich life and it gets strangled. But there are some who receive it and they let it penetrate and it changes them and they bear fruit and that's the kind of response I hope you will have to the good news of God's kingdom. May he help us. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we do. <laughs> we just hear this and we're humbled and we want, we want to be part of your kingdom. We want to live like we belong to Jesus to bear the marks of those who walk with him. And so we say, Lord, we believe, help our unbelief. Grant us grace that your word would sink down deep and grow and transform us 
and bear fruit in our lives. Father, we need that, and I ask that you would help us. Because of Jesus, amen.